G'day, I'm Ann Jones and this is Off Track, the nature program that transports you from wherever you are to somewhere different around Australia each week. Right now, in the middle of summer, there's thousands of baby flying foxes clinging tightly to their mothers in trees all around the country. They were born last spring, and on the hottest summer days, hundreds of them can die or become orphaned. Last summer, off-track producer Joe Kahn met with some of the lucky flying fox pups that had been rescued and were getting another chance at bat life. Every year, towards the end of spring, flying foxes or fruit bats have their babies. Around this time, wildlife rescuers get bombarded with reports of flying fox pups on the ground, seemingly abandoned. They haven't actually been abandoned, though. It's just that they got too heavy for their mum to carry and she's accidentally dropped them and then not been able to find them again. This happens every year. But in recent years, the numbers of orphaned, grey-headed flying fox pups from the Yarrabend colony in Melbourne has skyrocketed because of heat waves. Hundreds of pups have been left requiring hand-rearing and rehabilitation. And if these young flying foxes are going to rejoin their wild colony, they have to learn the bat basics. And that means it's off to bat school. Actually, before you go to bat school, you get a foster mum. It's early December 2019, and in an inner Melbourne suburb, two of these lucky flying fox pups are in the care of wildlife rescuer and CEO of Wildlife Victoria, Dr Megan Davidson. Hello. Hi, how are you going? Good, come in. Yeah. Very friendly. I do, both of them. <laughs> Hello, Bubbers. Hello, Bubbers. Here comes Bear. Hello, darling. It's nearly bottle time, isn't it? He's the boy. Yep. Oh, and yeah, definitely bigger. That's Fern, who's sleeping in her hammock. And now he's going to go and bother her. Oh, Bear, stop bothering her. You naughty boy. Naughty Bear is a grey-headed flying fox, about the size of a banana. He has very dark fur all over and a big head and bulging eyes that look much too big for his body. Bear came in from the Arabian colony. He was reported as being on the ground. And when the rescuer got there, his mum was actually on the ground near him in a very weedy section and um, she was obviously trying to get to him but she then got spooked and went up a tree and flew across the river and we tried three times to reunite Bear with his mum but she never came back for him so Mm. I'm doing the next best thing to a natural mum which is to um, raise him so he'll be released with all of the other hand-reared bats in March next year. Those high-pitched trills coming from Bear and his foster sister are the typical call a flying fox pup would make to its mum. Like Bear, Fern is also a grey-headed flying fox and very dark, but she's a bit smaller and daintier than her foster brother. They're both very keen to get over here. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like they're both still a little bit 
sort of uncoordinated in their yeah, movement. Yeah, they're still just learning to move around. They're really only just starting to, to get off the hammocks and, and starting to move around. Um, because their bottle time's coming up, they, they think that that's what, what I'm doing here and they're wondering why I'm not picking them up and feeding them. <laughs> but it's not just feeding that Bear and Fern need help with at the moment. So at this age we're still having to help them with toileting and cleaning. Uh, so we'll wipe the wings down once a day, keep them nice and clean. But she's learning to groom. You can see she's scratching her fur. They use their little... They're back claws. They've got these really long oh, yeah. claws on their feet. They use them to comb their own fur. And would mum help them clean their wings normally? Mum would normally be helping them, yeah. So we try and do what mum would be doing. So you've got Fern wrapped up like a little sausage Fern's roll. Fern's gone into her what we call a mama roll. So it's, a, it's, a, it's like a little cushion that she can hang on to, like she would be hanging on to her mum, and then it's got a wrapping piece that go, wraps around her. So we're trying to reproduce what mum would be doing in the wild. Mum would be having baby wrapped up in her wings. Um, so it's very, they feel very safe and secure. And this is what we pop them in to have, a, have their bottle. Do, do you want to sit down? Or? Oh, no, we can stand up. This is the sand of fern, the flying fox pop happily sucking away on her special baby bat formula. Once Fern has sucked the bottle dry, Megan tucks her into her shirt where she promptly falls asleep. Now it's Bear's turn for a clean and a feed and a flap. Flapping practice. Flapping practice. Call it flapper size. <laughs> it's a little cross vocalisation. It's a little stop it. Very instinctive to start flapping and using those wings from a fairly young age. Down at the colony, when you see a mum with a quite a small pup, they're quite uncoordinated with their wings. That's why we describe them as looking like the mum's wrestling with a broken umbrella. The first flight is usually a very short one and gives them a big surprise too. I often don't do it again for a couple of days. It gives them such a fright that they've actually flown. Um, once they get the hang of um, flying, they want to do it all the time because obviously they need to eventually have the um, capacity to fly for many kilometres a night. An adult flying fox going out to forage can, can travel 20, 30 or 40 kilometres in a night. So they're really long-distance travellers. And that long-distance travel, that is why flying foxes are so important for keeping our ecosystems healthy. Australia's seven species of flying foxes eat the fruit and flowers of rainforest trees and the pollen and nectar of eucalypts, melaleucas and banksias. So every evening when they fly out of their camps to forage, they're pollinating flowers and dispersing the seeds of our most important trees far and wide. And some of Australia's threatened rainforests depend on flying foxes for their survival. But flying fox numbers are dropping. Three species, including the grey-headed flying fox, are all listed as threatened. And while every year rescuers expect some orphaned pups that have been dropped, 
the numbers have been increasing rapidly in the last couple of years because of a new threat, climate change and the heat waves that are getting worse because of it. And last summer was particularly bad. The heat kills them. Once it gets above 42, they can't regulate their core body temperature. Um, so unless they're in a, a camp where there are sprinklers on or really dense understory, they will die in big numbers. And the earlier in the season when the pups are really very dependent, they can't fly, um, they're very susceptible to the heat. And um, of course, if their mums die and the pup survives, it's an orphan and has to be hand reared. Uh, and often, of course, when you've got a lot of dead adults, you don't know which pups have got mums and which ones haven't. So they, they did reunite a lot of pups with their mums after that heat event, but then after a couple of days, when a pup hasn't been collected, you know that it doesn't have a mum. Mm. <laughs> so they had to take a lot of them into care. One of the other serious threats to flying foxes is the netting that people put on their backyard fruit trees. If the netting that you use to protect your apples or your plums has mesh with big holes in it, the flying foxes can easily get tangled up and injured. Fruit tree netting results in lots of adult bats being rescued. But in breeding season, if the mum bats don't return from their evening foraging, they leave behind yet more flying fox pups requiring rescue and hand rearing. It's these compounding factors that have people like Megan worried about the future of the species. We're not guaranteed that this species will survive, so they're really, really important. A bit like the bees, our pollinators are important, so we really have to take, um, you know, a lot of care that we don't lose these important animals. The lucky ones, like bear and fern, who do get rescued and reared, will be able to rejoin their colonies and make their contribution to protecting our ecosystems. But the number of orphan pups could soon become too many to manage. It used to be every three or four summers I would bury large numbers of pups from the Yarraben Park colony. Lawrence Pope is the president of Friends of Bats and Bush Care. And now it's every summer I'm burying the effects of climate change in the form of healthy, beautifully formed young flying fox pups who just can't cope with the heat. And through spraying and, and other means, we managed to save a few hundred, but we lose several thousand. And because they have such a low rate of reproduction, their ability to survive this, this century with its this tsunami of, of climate change effects is uh, debatable. And you having to bury and deal with increasing numbers of dead bats mm. each summer, what sort of toll does that have on you? Well, it's heartbreaking. It's, it's heartbreaking for us to see these, these beautiful young animals who are just beginning their lives. Um, which should, they should be spending 10 or 15 years out every night um, working the environment, working the forests and, and having their own pups and, and so forth, to have to bury them. It's just heartbreaking for the carers um, and for those who are interested in in native species and the welfare, and those who are just interested in animals. It's just, it really is awful for us. Mm -hmm. It does take a toll.
In December 2019 and January 2020, there were three extreme heatwave events in southeastern Australia. In Melbourne, the days of extreme heat were catastrophic for the grey-headed flying foxes. Megan Davidson and Lawrence Pope have been kept busy by three new arrivals. After I saw you, we got another two from heat events and then another one from the subsequent heat event. So uh, the heat events brought 200 bats into care. Wow. So we think across um, the country we've lost maybe 100,000 animals from extreme heat plus starvation from drought and now fires. Um, maybe 15 to 20% of the population um, and the large majority of this year's babies are gone. They're gone. These are the lucky survivors. And that's just the grey-headed flying fox. That's that just the grey-headed flying fox we're talking about, yeah. So it's grim. It's very grim. And of course, all of the news out of the fires is bad news. But it is exciting news for these lucky pups. Bear, Fern and their three new friends have all been weaned and are starting to stretch the limits of Megan's small enclosure. They're all ready for the next phase of their batty education. Bat school. So we're going to put our five babies into a travel cage. Um, and take them to bat school, <laughs> and they've learnt to fly. Ah, there you go. All <laughs> yes. that flapper sizes. All that flapper sizes, <laughs> yes, off. they can all fly now. All right, who wants to come to mum? So this is Bear. Oh, hello, Bear. And he's turned into a beautiful boy. I think I'll um, pop a grape in his mouth, because he's a bit crazy. Is he? I'll give him a grape and a cuddle, and the girls can go in first, and he can go in last. He loves grapes. There you go. Still a bit big, isn't it? Oh, he can deal <laughs> with a big grape. <laughs> hey, you're my best boy, aren't you? Okay, so once he's in, we'll load them into the car and make our way up to bat school. Might actually pop a little piece of watermelon in as well. Mm. Do they have favourite fruit? <laughs> uh, grapes are a particular favourite. Yeah. They look just little pockets of sugary goodness. <laughs> as the bats chew their grapes and watermelon, they're squeezing the fruit against the hard palate of their mouth to get all the juice out. And then they'll spit out the fibre in what's called a spat. They produce these spats instead of eating the fibrous fruit material so that they can stay light for flying. Megan and Lawrence have wrangled all the bats into the travel cage. Ready for transport. There's some different... Bit of squabbling there. Some different vocalisations. Yes, there's squabbling. Squabbling over the watermelon. to school we go. You're listening to Off Track. My name is Joe Khan and I'll be your guide on this bat school tour. We're now headed to the Fly by Night Bat Clinic in Melbourne's Dandenong Ranges. 
Here, the flying fox pups come to socialise in a big group, practice flying, they grow, and they gain independence from their human carers. Tamsin Hogarth is the founder and director of the Fly-By-Night Bat Clinic. She's the one who coordinates this whole bat school process. Uh, I guess you could say she's the bat school principal. Why? Oh, mine, my babies are not first. Mine no. Are first. Well, it was going even then I was like, Lauren, so many of you. I just put them in now because I'm like, oh, uh, was there supposed to be more for first? So big. Yes, it's a mum and bub. Oh, okay. All right, so you just want me to get them out? Yep. All right. Yeah, I don't think I'll be doing much remembering of the faces with this many. Sweetheart, what's happened? Where are we? Yes, everyone's a bit nervous for their first day at school. It's all right, sweetheart. And weeing from excitement. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, I've got a couple. We have so much fun tonight, though. As Lawrence wrangles the flying fox pups out of their cage... Bear clambers onto Megan for one last cuddle. After this, Megan won't be able to interact with the pups anymore. And my boy, he was my first baby. First in, last to go. Okay, Bubbers, be good. Have fun. This is good because often they'll go, where's mum? I'll fly to her. She'll take me away from this frightening place. But they're looking pretty, pretty good there. How are you feeling? Oh, pretty pretty good, actually. Yeah. Of course, I trust Hamzen with my babies. Um, she's very, very good with bats. No, brothers, that was not an invitation to come to mum. They're a little bit discombobulated. These pups are now in the care of Tamsin, who will be the only human they see now while they learn how to socialise and fly and just be bats. Oh, now someone's got their hiccups. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so how many more are you expecting over the next few days? Uh, we're getting three tonight, then I'll probably get... Oh, sorry, I'll get another three to so six. Then I'm getting 17 in the next couple of days. It's another six. Wow. Now they know it's open for business, yeah. I'll get more people calling and wanting to drop off anyone. I think by the weekend I'll have maybe 40 or 50. I've also got, I can always forget mine, but I've got uh, 12 up in one of the spare rooms as oh, well. Okay. They have to come down as well. But they're just trashing the bedroom at the moment. They really do sound like human kids sometimes. As we leave the aviary, Fern and Bear are hanging from the top of it, clinging onto each other tightly. They've formed a really close bond in Megan's care. It can be daunting at first for the new arrivals to the fly-by-night clinic, suddenly confronted with so many other bats for the first time. But it won't take long for them to learn their natural bat etiquette. At bat school, they can spend all night playing and flying and building up those flight muscles because eventually they'll need the capacity to fly many kilometres each night. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it to the releases at the Yarra Bend colony because of COVID-19 restrictions. But after bat school in the Dandenongs, 
the young flying foxes gradually get moved down to a soft release enclosure at the Yarraben colony in Kew. Here they have even less human contact, just one person to drop off their food every day. After a week in the release enclosure, they get one final health check and then the gate is left open for them to join the wild colony. Tamsin says that every now and then there are stragglers or strugglers who need a bit longer in the enclosure or even back at bat school before they're ready to face the colony. Right now, volunteers are continuing to place some supplemental food out every evening in case somebody needs a little extra help. But all the flying foxes rescued over summer have been released. And thank you, Tamsin, for these sounds from the Yarraben colony and release enclosure. From just the Yarra Bend colony of grey-headed flying foxes, there were 65 rescued pups that were raised and put through the bat education system. But many more pups and adults died over summer all over Australia. And Tamsin Hogarth from Fly By Night and the other rescuers from Wildlife Victoria will still regularly be called upon to rescue adult bats from fruit tree netting entanglements. It's hard work and becoming harder for the rescuers and carers. But in the case of flying foxes, the animals themselves have really been fighting an uphill battle in Australia for a very long time. Yeah, look, they've had a very rough deal the past couple of centuries. Even before we understood them, they had largely disappeared in great parts of Australia. We lost 50%, at least by the 1930s, of this species. And what was that due to? Due to deliberate destruction of their roost sites and shooting and a perceived conflict with fruit growers that ended up being proven not to be the case. Damage to fruit was very sporadic. It usually followed years of low flowering and forest destruction. Um, and it was, it was um, concluded by the studies that were undertaken that the flying foxes didn't really represent any threat to the commercial fruit industry in Queensland or New South Wales. And that remains the case today. Bats still have a long way to go to shake the bad press that they get. And I really think that most people who hate bats um, hate them because they don't know them. And often if people can see, particularly the babies, if people can see babies up close, they will often change their attitude um, about bats. But people like Megan, Lawrence and Tamsin are constantly working to help people understand the importance of flying foxes so that flying foxes like bear and fern have the best shot at life in the wild, protecting our unique ecosystems. That was Off Track producer Joe Kahn. And don't forget, you can send us your sounds of nature to offtrack 
at abc.net.au. And for a different adventure, just meet me back here at the same time next time. That's when I'll take you somewhere else. Oh, and just one more thing. You've heard the flying fox pups sucking, chewing, squabbling, flapping and hiccuping. And there's one more adorable sound. This is the sound of a flying fox squealing with pleasure as he gets a belly scratch from his carer. And just a reminder, only qualified handlers should touch bats. So enjoy these sounds and admire from afar, but leave the bats be. It's pretty warm though, you're probably going to pee on me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'll have a shower now. Mm.